So uh, let's use our imaginations for just a moment. I want you to imagine you wake up tomorrow morning and you have a new checking account. And in that checking account is all of the money that you have wasted your entire life. Yeah, that's a lot of money. I heard that, right? Now, now let me be specific about what I mean by, by wasted money. By wasted money, I mean the money that you bad-habited away. I, I mean the money that you consumer-debted away. I mean the money that, that you, 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 know, you put it on a credit card and you've been paying interest on it, whatever it is, and you're thinking, well, I didn't really need it, but now I'm stuck with it and the 27% interest rate that goes along with it. Or, or the money that you, whatever happened to that thing away? You, you know, you, you bought the thing, but you don't know what happened to it. Maybe, maybe it was that month-long hobby, some decorations, the latest Pinterest craze. Or, or what, about, what about the money that you only wore it once away, right? Or, or the money that you one bad night of decisions away. You, you spent more than you budgeted for. You, you bought the extra appetizer, and then you couldn't even finish your entree. What about the, the amount of money that you went through Starbucks just to get the reward of the tall ice water with soy in it away? Maybe the first date tab that you regretted paying for away? The second date tab that you regretted paying for away? The third date tab that you regret paying for? You get the idea, right? I could go on and on, but, but imagine all the stuff that you wasted money on in your entire life. Just, just try, to, try to imagine, try to put a ballpark figure on that amount. Got a number sort of in your head? Now, here's the catch. That whatever that number is, you can't spend it on you. Whatever, whatever is in that bank account, you can't spend a dime of it on yourself. You have to just give it away. You have to give every single penny in that account away to someone else. And you can give it away immediately or over time. You can do it in one lump sum or to a bunch of different people and places and organizations, whatever it is. Think about it, though. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be kind of fun? I mean, yeah, we probably wish that we could have that money, but you can't have it. You can't touch it. You can't save it. You can't invest it. The only thing that you can do with it is to give it away. You can't go back. But wouldn't it be kind of fun to just give all of that wasted money away and find a good place for it? Hang on to that thought. We're going to come back to it. Now, we all know how to be generous. Nobody needs, you tell, needs to tell you how to be generous. We, we all know how to be generous, at least in the moment. That when you're at the checkout and the cashier asks you if you would like to round up to the nearest dollar to support cancer research or first responders or pet adoption or support Norwegian pickle farmers, what, whatever it might be, we all know how to be generous, at least in the moment. But what I'm talking about today is, is how, do we, how do we live generously? 
And it's about saving more, giving more, consuming less, and being less consumed by the stuff that you want to have. Because we don't just have a consumer culture, but we are consumed oftentimes by our own consumption. Because we know what everybody else has, and we know that, well, we could probably have it too. Not that hard. It seems nowadays that you can almost just think of something and then two days later, it's delivered at your doorstep by somebody in a blue van, right? And so consequently, it's just so easy to be consumed by our consumption that ultimately consumes us. And then all that consumption, well, it just makes us more self-centered And that is the antithesis of what it means to follow Jesus. And so today I'm going to attempt to teach you how to live generously, not not just how to be generous, but how to live generously, not just how to give. We all know how to do that. In fact, I think that's actually part of the problem is that we confuse generosity with random acts of giving, but random acts of giving are just that they're they're random, but generosity is something totally else. Giving randomly, spontaneously, that doesn't make you a generous person. That just makes you a spontaneous person. And so I'm going to press you today, and and there might be moments in the sermon where you feel like, oh gosh, this is just, you know, I'm accusing you of not being a generous person. Maybe I am. (laughs) But your temptation Your temptation is going to be to think back to a moment in time where you gave randomly to someone, to something. And you're going to think back to that that incident and you're going to think, no, 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 I am a generous person. There, There is proof of that. That's not what I'm talking about. Because being generous is not about giving in the moment. That's not being generous. That's randomly giving randomly showing generosity. And so here to help us, um, here's four myths about generosity that I think have just kind of permeated our American culture. Uh, The first myth is this, is that generosity is spontaneous. We were just talking about this. The, The giving spontaneously is not generosity, that's spontaneity. I mean, even greedy people give spontaneously because, because they feel pressured to do so. And spontaneous giving is often emotion-based. I mean, you give me a microphone and a project or an organization that I am passionate about, and I can squeeze the dollars out of you. You, you got to make somebody cry, but once, once that first tear falls, man, the checkbooks open up. And that's not a bad thing because, well... Some organizations, some of these things, they have a great and a powerful story that, yeah, if it's done sincerely, it ought to pull on your heartstrings. But, but I just want you to understand that giving that way, it has nothing to do with generosity. 
The second myth is this, is that generosity is regulated primarily by cash flow. This is a myth as well. Maybe somebody has asked you to give or to support an organization. And what you do immediately is you start thinking about how much money you have in your wallet, how much money you have in your bank account, how much money you can get access to quickly. And when you don't have access to that money quickly, what do you say? You say, I'm so sorry, but I can't help right now, which means that your context for generosity is what you had in the moment or weighing your checking account against the bills that you still have due. Your, your heart was right. Your heart was in the right place, but you weren't in a position to give in that moment. What you had in that moment determined what you could give in that moment. But people who live generously, they avoid this predicament because they have a plan. We'll talk about that in a second. A third myth of generosity is this, is that it's the amount that counts. Now, this is, this is totally false. You, you can't understand a dollar amount without a context around it. Because somebody may have given $500 to something, and that was a big sacrifice for them. That, that meant a lot to them. Or... That was just what they were going to spend on dinner with their friends the next night, right? Which, by the way, if that's you, I'm open for dinner reservations, okay? Um, but, but the amount, the amount, it just totally depends upon the context. Adding zeros to something, it might feel emotional. It might feel like it's a big deal, but we don't know whether it's a lot or a little because we don't know the context. We know it's a lot or a little to us but we don't know what's a lot or a little to someone else. And Jesus actually addresses this head on. Uh, you might know this story. Jesus one day was with his disciples and they were visiting the temple. And the temple is, is up on the mount in the city of Jerusalem. You had to walk up these uh, steps to get up into the temple. Um, and the, the Jewish people had a treasury, uh, which was probably something like this barrel looking thing outside of, of the first entrance into the temple where people dropped money in on their way in or out of the temple. It was it was a, a place to give your offering or, or your tithe or, or maybe it was even considered something like a temple tax. But Jesus tells his disciples, hey, before we get in there. Let's just do some people watching. I, I just, I just want to hang back and, and I just, I just want to watch what everybody does as they go in and out to worship God. And so this is what it says. Story starts in Luke 21. It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. How did he know they were rich? Probably because the way that they were dressed. And Jesus sees them. Everybody sees them. This is a very public thing that is happening. It also says he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. These coins were referred to as the widow's might. They're, they're just shards of copper. I mean, if I had some here today and I held them up, you couldn't even see them from where you are sitting. It, it was the smallest amount of money. And she had two of them and she put them in there. And so Jesus then turns to his disciples and he says this, 
He says, truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all of the others, as in all of the others combined. Everybody who has gone in and out and dropped something in that treasury, she has put in more than all of the others, to which we say, "Uh uh-uh. No, no, she didn't. She put in two pennies. I saw some people, people put in some paper into that treasury. I, I saw some people writing checks and putting those in the offering. Jesus, what, what kind of math is this? Is this that weird Christian math again? Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is the kingdom of heaven kind of math. Because God is not impressed by an amount. God is moved by a percentage. Generosity. Generosity is not determined by how much you give away. But generosity is determined by how little you are willing to keep for yourself. He goes on. He says, all these people, all these people, they have given their gifts out of their wealth, Jesus says. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. So according to percentages, she gave the most. She, she was the most generous person at the temple that day because the amount is not what counts. Last generosity myth, myth number four. Rich people are generous. No, they're not. Rich people are rich. Generous people are generous. And the two are not necessarily the same. Jesus just illustrated this, that, that poor people oftentimes can become the most generous people because they give of what they have sacrificially. And so loving generously, living a generous life, what does it look like? If it's, if it's not about the amount, if it's not about just responding to an ask, if it's not spontaneous, what does it look like? So let me, let me just kind of put this in personal context for you. Um, when Jenny and I got married, we would cash our paychecks every week. And we would, um, we would then designate where every single penny was going to go to. And one of those places was a local church. And we also sponsored a child through an orphanage. And at that time, when we first got married, we, we didn't have much really didn't have much. We ate a lot of ramen at the time. We still eat a lot of ramen, but that's just because it's delicious now. Um, and, uh, and, and I remember, I remember giving a hundred dollars away and just sitting in the church with this just pain feeling like, ah, I can't believe I'm doing this working at a minimum wage at Dillard's folding jeans and cleaning up the dressing room, which is a story for another day. But I remember the pain that I felt of doing that. But this is what we did every single week since we have been married. We have made a commitment to give 10% of all that we have away, at least 10% of our income away. And it really hurt some weeks. Some weeks it, it really, really was painful, but we stuck to that commitment. Now, for some of you, you've been doing just that. <laughs> Maybe, maybe ever since you've been born. For others of you, this would be a huge rearrangement of your financial picture. But I'm telling you that, that if you do this, you will be less controlled and consumed by our culture of consumption. Because this is the Jesus way. This is the Jesus way forward. 
And so real quick, I'm going to give you a definition uh, of what it looks like to, to live generously. And it's, it's a clunky definition. It's imperfect. But here's what it is. Here's what I mean by living generously. Living generous, generous living, is the premeditated, calculated, designated liberation of financial assets. Now, if you don't remember that, that's okay. We're going to kind of walk through it. First is this, it is premeditated that in order to live it generously, you have to have a plan. I, I don't care how much you have, how much you don't have. If you don't have a plan, then you will not be generous. If you don't have a plan, you will not be a generous person. You will confuse generosity with random acts of giving, and they are not the same. If you don't have a plan, you don't know how much you are giving away. And we all give, right? We, we all give, but we typically give spontaneously. We typically give sporadically, meaning I'll give over here and here and to this and to that and to that. And, and come on, let's be honest. And, and we usually give sparingly. Here's what I have on me in the moment, not giving generously. And you will never give as much as you can without a plan for being generous. You've got to have a plan. Now, you know this, there, there's only so many things that you can actually do with money. There's actually more than this list, but talking about in, in practical ways. You can, with money, you can spend it. You can pay debt. You can pay taxes. You can save it or invest it, or you can give it away. And looking at this, this is actually the order in which most of us kind of live in, right? It, it, it sort of amounts to this. That, that spending it, well, that's, that's me first. <laughs> Paying debt, that's creditors second. Taxes, that's government third. Save it, oh, me fourth again. And giving it, finally, that's others last. Actually, the, the paying debt is kind of me second because, well, you're paying for something that you spent on yourself, but now you just have to pay it back to someone else now. And, and so it's, it's me, me, government, me, others last. You should think about that for a second. Is, is, that, is that what your financial plan kind of looks like? Be, because if giving is last, you're not a generous person. You, you've put yourself ahead of pretty much everybody else. But if you call yourself a Jesus follower, you, you can't do this. You can't do this as a follower of Jesus. If this is your reflection of your money, then you are not a follower of Jesus. You may pray, you may believe, and you might be offended that I say that. But just read the New Testament. And if you think I'm being harsh, then read the New Testament and see what Jesus has to say about money. Because you can't follow Jesus and put others last in any capacity of your life. Because the whole idea of following Jesus is about putting others first. Why? Because he put you first. This is why Jesus talks about money so much. Because money is oftentimes the key to our heart, along with food. Y'all tell him hungry today. But money, money is oftentimes the, the key to our heart. Jesus said, right, that, that where your money is, there your heart is as well. Where your treasure is, 
that's where your heart is. Because Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that, that if God's kingdom was going to be at first in our everyday practical lives, then that means that God's kingdom has to be first in our everyday practical financial lives. That we as followers of Jesus are called to be in others first kind of people. And if we put others last in any way, that we manage our money, then we are not following Jesus. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how you feel. If you think I'm being hard on you, again, read the gospel of Luke and see what Jesus has to say about that. And if you're going to follow Jesus, then how dare you put others to the back of the line? I mean, what does that say about you and your appreciation and your confidence in God? That has to change. Otherwise, we are just consumers. We are not Christians. Brings us to calculated. Aren't you glad we're moving on? Second part of the definition, calculated. Uh, If generosity is premeditated, calculated, designated liberation of financial assets. assets. Okay, Uh, calculated. Here's how generous people think. Generous people predecide. That's what calculated means. They, they, don't, they don't wait to be asked. They have already decided on an amount or a percentage. They set that money aside and it is as good as given. So we, we teach this to our two young boys. Uh, they get an allowance every week. And my wife and I, we went back and forth. Well, should we give an allowance? Because they don't really need to be rewarded for, well, just living in our house, right? They should do th- something, right? But anyways, we decided that this was a good opportunity uh, to teach them kind of God's way of viewing money, the kingdom way of viewing money. And so each week, they each get a dollar fifty. Um, the dollar bill is theirs to spend. They can do whatever they want with it. Our youngest usually decides to lose it in his room somewhere. Um, but the dollar is theirs. They can do whatever they want with it. Uh, then they get a quarter to save, 25 cents to save, save up in the future for something big over time. And then they get another 25 cents to give away. So a dollar is theirs, 25 to save, 25 to give. I know it's not necessarily a tithe or anything. We're trying to make it simple for them. Uh, But we did this so that they would know how we and how God views money. God's kingdom is always premeditated, calculated, even in their own small financial picture. And so no matter how much money you make, but You know, if you just lost your job or your financial portfolio went belly up in the stock market, you know, put this in perspective. But but to have a plan, to have no plan, that's trouble. But when you have a plan, that that puts the fun in funding. That, That puts the joy in giving. And it is a keystone habit and it will impact everything that you do financially. So back to our definition. It is the premeditated, calculated, designated liberation of financial assets. You see, generous people have already determined ahead of time where they are going to give their money. Generous people, they don't have to be asked. They've discovered what is important to them. 
what what they're passionate about and and what can make the biggest difference in the world. They can still give sporadically and spontaneously, but all of that is just an add-on. Generous people have already decided and designated this. And so, always, always give from a grateful heart. Always give from a grateful heart. So, so what, are, what are you grateful for? So here's the two questions. What, what are you grateful for? And, and what breaks your heart? First is, is what are you grateful for? What, what are the things that are coming your way that you are so grateful for and, and you want to support that cause? You want to support that effort? You want to support that organization? And so here's, here's my shameless plug here now, right? If you are grateful for your local church, if you're grateful for this local church, you should have a plan for giving to your local church. And it's not about the church. It's not about how much money the church has or the church doesn't have. This is about your gratitude and your gratefulness. But sidebar, uh, if you do want to give to a place that has need, hey, we are it, okay? We, we have great need. We are a great nonprofit. We're so good at being a nonprofit that we have a deficit budget every single year, okay? You want to give to a place that has need? We, we are it, okay? We, we are that. We are, we are really good at that. But this isn't about how much the church has or doesn't have. This is about your gratitude. And if you're grateful for this church or for a local church, you should give. And if you're not grateful for your local church, then find a local church that you are grateful for and give there. Everybody should have a plan to support the local church. I, I believe that even people who aren't Christians should have a plan to support the local church because as much bad news and bad rap that the big church gets out there, you don't want to see the local church disappear from the community. For, for all the good that a local church can do to invest in the community. Nobody has ever taken me up on that, but, but that's how important I think the local church is to the community. And so, if you're grateful for your local church, if you're grateful for this local church, and you don't support it financially, well, then you are ungrateful, and you think, no, 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 I'm, I'm grateful. I have so much gratitude in my heart. Well, that's, that's nice and all, but unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. And think about it. You don't tell your wife, your kids, that you love them, show support, show acts of kindness to them. And you think, oh, I'm so grateful for you in my heart, but you never show it. Well, that comes across as ingratitude. And so that's the first question. What, what are you grateful for? Second question is this, what breaks your heart? I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here because we could spend a lot of time here. But just that question, what, what is that cause? What, what is that thing that just tugs at your heartstrings? Is it foster care? Is it an orphanage? Is it some medical research? Is it a nature preserve? Is it justice? What, whatever it may be, you need to find an organization that is operating in that place and join forces with them. 
And so we decided this year uh, that we're going to designate 1% of our total pledged giving to support one child for one year at the United Methodist Children's Home. It's like a sort of a group home for foster kids. And we're going to cover the cost of meals, education, uh, job training, food, um, recreation for, for one year. Now, this is premeditated, calculated, designated. And we're, we're doing for one what we wish we could do for everyone. We're doing for one child what we wish we could do for the other 499 there. But at least we'll make a difference for one. Why? Because we have said collectively that this is something that just tugs on our heartstrings. This is something that burdens us. That, that there are children without parents who then have to go without. And we, we can do some good about some of that. And so what breaks your heart? Well, what is it that breaks your heart? What, what, what connects your heart to your wallet? Go find that. You see, living generously prepares you to say yes to what is most important to you. And if you don't have a plan, then you'll ask, well, what do I have left over to spare? Listen, that's how everybody else does it. Don't be like everybody else. You'll end up always putting others last. You'll end up always putting God's kingdom last. You'll end up always putting the local church last. And, and you can't consider yourself a Jesus follower if you do that. You can call yourself a Christian, yeah, but not somebody who's following the way of Jesus in their everyday practical lives. And besides, <laughs> this is just sort of a bonus. I, I promise you that you will feel so much better about your money. Where goes what you do with it? You, you'll feel so much better knowing that your money is making a difference. And I know you have worked hard for that. So make your money work hard for you now. And, and you'll also feel so much better about saying no to things. You, you won't feel guilty for saying no for all of the sporadic ass. You get those spontaneous ass for money and you'll feel better saying no because you have already said yes to the things that are most important to you, the things that are breaking your heart. You see, generous people don't feel guilty about saying no. Generous people say no because they have already said yes to the thing that matters most to them. And so imagine, imagine, and I don't have to imagine, and I don't say that as bragging, but, but imagine that you have been doing this all along. Every week, $10 a week, $100 a week, it, it's gone. You've, you've given it your whole life long. Uh, imagine, imagine how much money that would be, and imagine the difference that that would have made for that church, for that organization, for that thing. And do you know where all the money went that you didn't give away? Do you know where the money went that you didn't give away? No. No, you don't except for maybe you have a rowing machine that's been sitting in your garage for the past two years. You, you know it, it went there. And maybe you've got some material things, but you're still missing meaning. And look, I'm not saying all of this because I want your money or the church wants your money. I, I am a pastor of a local church. I, I get that. It's not lost on me. 
But look, I say this because I'm responsible for your ability to follow Jesus. I'm responsible for your discipleship and how we manage our money is a key ingredient for how well we are following Jesus. But if you don't trust me, I get it. If you don't trust me, then pick a percentage and give it somewhere consistently. But please, please learn and begin to live generous. It's better for you. It's better for our community. It's better for the world. Do you know what generous people do? They give. Do you know what our generous God has done? God gives. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his one and only son. So I'm challenging you to be generous, to live generously. So again, Back to where we started. Imagine you had that checking account and all the good that you could do, all the good that you would do. And I know in your heart, you've got a generous heart. And, and I know you all say, I, I just wish I could do more. Well, hey, do you really wish that? Put your money where your mouth is. And maybe you're thinking, well, I I did wish I could do more until you started this sermon. And now I'm kind of afraid to answer that question because, because come on, come on. If you wish that you could do more, you can do more. You have no idea what your giving capacity is until you make a plan. And if this scares you, it shouldn't. What should scare you is living another season of your life without doing this because, because generous people are the happiest people. I'll end with this. Jesus said this in Acts chapter 20. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And he wasn't kidding. This wasn't tongue and cheek. Blessed means happy. And listen, you can't consume your way to happiness. You've already tried it and you haven't gotten very far. Hasn't worked yet. Why? Why? Because you are made in the image of our generous God. And when Jesus says this, he doesn't say you'll be blessed. Like you give God a dollar and God gives you 10 back, right? That's, that's not how this works. I, I don't believe that. And that's not what blessed means. I mean, good grief. We live in the United States of America. It's like we have already won at the lottery when you look at some other places in the world. And so this isn't about give to get. This is about give because you have been given. And if you make this a a way of life for you, you just watch and see what happens. Just, Just watch and see what happens in your own heart. Watch and see what happens in your own life. Watch and see what happens in your community. This, this is a keystone habit. So live generously. More important, love, love through generosity. Let's pray. So God, we first thank you for your generous love towards us. God, we thank you that before we asked, you gave. And even though we didn't deserve, you gave. And ultimately, Lord, you gave yourself for us through Jesus Christ. So God, help us 
Help us to model that same spirit in our everyday practical lives. Keep challenging us, God. Help us to be your disciples. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.